When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. It's, uh, you've been annoying me all week. Well, with your tractor. Yeah, I've been, I've been just looking you. Well, you know, when you, you, you get in your group text with mates or you're, you're asking your friend opinions on something... I've been looking at a tractor. I know. Irrelevant. Don't necessarily need one, <laughs> but I like the idea of it. Yep. Um, John Deere. Actually, I saw your mate Jeremy Cameron bought a John Deere lawnmower. That he was going he to did. Ride very happy with his ride-on lawnmower. He was, going to, he was going to drive it to the cattery, he thought. <laughs> There's something about this machinery that it's, it's got me very excited. Oh, if I had my time again. <laughs> oh, God. That, that, that's, okay. That's, can we edit that out? Just keep going. <laughs> I I was gonna say to you, I off know the top you of the show, say. we need this needs to be a good show because last week was a little loose. I, I had good comments on last week's show. They I, said they really enjoyed it. Well, I was a little loose <laughs> last week. It wasn't my best work. Lee this, was good. this week needs to be different. Lee was terrific. Absolutely terrific talking about uh targeting really big uh brown trout. It's a it's a great, great episode. trout, yep. Um Actually, if, you, if you're interested in it, you can head to our, our website or, or download our podcast from wherever you download your podcast. Take me through your tractor search, Pat. People, you've said it. People are going, what, what in the hell does he want a tractor for? It's what? going to be for beach launching, isn't it? No, it's not going to be for beach <laughs> launching. But if I had my time again when I first built my house, because of how expensive landscaping is, don't know if you realise this, Redmond, but landscaping is... We're in the wrong gig. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's nothing more expensive than landscaping. So if I had my time again, I would have bought one of these, you know, Kubotas or the John Deere I sent you. Mm. That was a pretty good one. What, start up a landscape for, company or done it yourself? For, <laughs> no, done it myself. You're for, so you're going to be cheaper to buy one and do it yourself? I reckon, yeah. Sort of that 20 to 25 grand mark. A little bit, little bit more for that John Deere. Four in one bucket, very important. So you've got the the picker. You barely have you time know, to can, call me back. How would you have time to to, to John Deere your house? It's more just like you sit in it and enjoy it, <laughs> and you, you get home from footy training in the shed. You just <laughs> sit on your tractor. Well, you do that with boats, don't you? I have a boat in the shed. I just it's go. A, sometimes I just go do. sit in there and I tie knots. <laughs> That's, that's my review. That's my, you know. That's you promised me this would be a better show and you've started off on an unnecessary tractor that you're going to purchase. All right, let's get into the news then. <laughs> uh, Impact Boats, they've teased a new 7.3 metre FO. Now they're the, uh, the tra- well, plastic trailer boats. What does specialists. FO mean? FO. It's a type, so HT's hardtop. FO, do we know what that means? Mike, just show me the picture of it. See? Yeah, I don't know what FO means. Well, 
We're a really good show. We're going good again. <laughs> F.O. <laughs> you know what? You keep talking about that. I'm going to find out what it means. Go. Anyway, they've teased their new 7.3 metre model. So once again, this is only in the initial stages. Uh, very minimalist in terms of its styling. Um, so that's been good to see. Now, there's the Blue Lobster Redmond. Blue Robster, Blue Robster, Blue Blue Lobster Court. Is it one Portland? in one million? Twenty two million. One so there was two million. Portland in America. Incredible to court. see. It is. That's uh. It is. As you said, the photo I showed you, it was absolutely sensational. You know when you get yabbies out of a dam and they're bright blue, usually due to the water temperature. So if you have your water temperature up in summer, the yabbies will go blue. Yep. And yeah, one in two million yabbies. Uh, sorry, rock lobster in America at where this was caught and. Surely they didn't keep it. Well, I was impressed they said that they released it. Given sort of what Americans are like, I thought, (laughs) no, that's that's fair. I thought they would just, yeah, yeah, no, just leave it. Way it goes. Berries and burns. Uh, Victoria is looking at alternatives, Redmond, to boaters needing to carry flares. Yes, they are. It's, uh, you're a bit... A different opinion on this? No, uh, it wasn't. No, I wasn't of a different opinion. I just found it interesting. Uh, now, this is specifically to enclosed and coastal waters, so those that um, that hug the coastline essentially um, may soon not need to carry flares under this potential proposal of the of the state's marine safety laws. So, I mean, I think a big part around this is the renewability of. Flares. Yep. They only last three years anyway, and after that, they're they're out of date. They're really difficult to dispose of. So I, I suppose, from a renewable sense, they're not. They're actually they're an great. attraction to uh, not. No, I'm not a party pooper or anything, but they're an attraction for crime too. Uh, I know around Christmas period, caravan parks and whatnot really have dramas with flares going missing out of boats right around the country due to the fact that people want to let flares off around New Year's Eve. Yeah. So they do attract, I guess, dramas. Perhaps the marine industry could could work in with the A-League and their supporters. (laughs) So once you get to the stage where they're close to, you know, being out of date, you could sell them to the A-League supporters because very big in the... uh, the, the soccer industry, flares and supporters, uh, and, and we could do it that way. Okay, usually I'm the one getting in trouble, but we'll go with that. If, do you reckon... I'm just saying, mate. Oh, <laughs> you're going to every time, for Every time... <laughs> European soccer, every time I see it, we just need to ship it over there. I, I think that if you do... If you are enclosed and you have an EPIRB VHF... Well, the, 20, the 27 think, radios, they're being phased out. Yeah, well, no one uses 27 meg. No. I can't tell you where I've been to a boat ramp around this. I'm trying to think now. I can't think of the last time that I'd been on a boat and they've said, someone says, I'll be on channel 27. Correct. Yep. Like, like 27 megahertz. So it's all VHF now. So they're being taken out. But I don't. I, I nearly agree. You could phase out these flares if you're just, a, I guess, a river fisherman or whatnot. But the, if you've got an EPIRB, it's because if you fall in the what, water, the yeah, your flare ain't going to work anyway. No. So the EPIRB will. So, yeah, I reckon it's not a bad idea. And yes. it saves cost of money, like you said, too, and government initiatives. Now, you can have your say on the proposed changes to the marine safety regulations. Uh, Boatsales.com have got a great article around this, and you can click on the links there What uh, would be your say. What would be your number one rule change, as in you know, common sense, I guess, uh, of our, say, for example, Victorian standard, regulations on a boat what would you change would you be anything um 
I, I, life jacket rules are pretty getting pretty tight. Now. They are really tight, and I understand why. But you know it does my, get it does get frustrating at times. But then I when you to, see people that lose their lives, then you get it. But then you're out in the boat at times. Particularly often, my little stadium that I need to have life jackets on. It's like have the inflatables. But in winter, once you've got layer upon layer, but yeah. I, I get it. I, I, you I get, get it, why yeah. you do. I, I've, I'm one for the kids. One. Uh, I so. I, this is from Water Police. I spoke yep. to Water Police. When you're traveling, a child needs to have a PFD one at any t- at any point in time. Yep. So what I've been doing with Finn is I've popped a. Uh, he can't stand his big life jacket. You and I went shopping and actually looking for better life jackets for our kids for uh, to try and make it more comfortable. Yeah. And I can see why my kid hates putting his life jacket on. It is a horrible thing around his head the way that it shapes. But the, it's, it has a purpose. It's got the purpose. Keeps like, the head if up. He falls off. It, I understand it keeps that. The head up. But on anchor. Oh, what I've been doing is I've actually been putting a PFD, uh, a 50 on him. So it actually takes away that little bit of the neck piece. So it's legal. I spoke to yep. water police. It's legal. You can do that. Yep. So you actually don't have to have a, on, on, a life jacket on the kid at anchor. On anchor, I'm talking about. So, so you, well, that's what water police told me, and I didn't yeah. get fined. So if I'm wrong, I'll take the abuse. Go for it. Hammer me right now. But water police specifically told me he was on the boat with me. And the, he, they literally a mate come up, or well, a guy I know from water police, said, G'day to me. And I literally spoke to him on the boat, and I said about to him, it. I had the bad life jacket on. I said, oh, I said, Am I allowed to have him without a jacket? And he said, Yeah. I said, Well, what, so what I did was I had a PFD 50, which is just your traditional ski jacket on him, yeah. which doesn't have the neck piece. But for my own safe of mind, if he goes in, it's going to keep him up. Yeah. And he does a lot of swimming lessons now, my child. He's two and he's not bad in the water. Like, can't, couldn't save his life, but he'd be he'd be able to keep his head up with a life jacket on. I've seen it. We do it in a pool with him all the time. Yeah. So he'd be able to keep it up. But is it different in the ocean though? I don't or know about ocean. I'm not sure about ocean. This was definitely in the bay. Oh, this is in the bay. This was yeah. definitely in the bay. And I asked the question. So what I did was I, and I had copped a little bit on social media because I changed it. But when I travel, I leave the, he knows the rules. We're traveling. Number one's on him. I call it number one. Number yeah. one's on him. And when we move in, number two can go on. Uh, when we're anchored, number two can go on him just so he can just enjoy his time out there. Mm. That was the, I don't, that's not a rule change, but that's just, uh, I guess, a discussion point of just getting kids to enjoy being on the boat because that PFD one as a two-year-old, it's the smallest legal one you could get for him that fits him tight and properly, and it just wraps around his cheeks. Like, he literally can't move his head. Like, his yeah. whole face is pushed in, which safety is number one. I'm not arguing there, hence why I make him wear it. But when the boat stops, I've got high sides being on the north bank, I'm comfortable with him cruising around the boat with a slightly less um, rated PFD. We'd be fascinated to hear your views on the proposed changes or what changes would you make to the marine safety regulations. Hit us up on our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app to join in the conversation. Now, we're talking this morning, we spoke last week at length around big winter whiting. One of the things that does get forgotten at this time of the year are the big gummy sharks mm. offshore. And it's something that you've been doing a bit of. And Beautiful week on them this week and last week. You, you, you text me halfway through the week and say, why haven't I been doing this? Yep. There's been other things that sort of take your focus, but you went out, you caught some cracking fish, and it just it reignited the fire for you around big winter gumbos. They're extremely fun to catch. They pull hard. They, got, they literally pull line, uh, I guess, by nearly any... There's not many, probably better than nearly anything in our waterway. They pull harder than a snapper. They're not, you can get them nice and big, like up to that 30 kilo. Mm. But not only that, they also taste brilliant. I'm not a massive tuna eater. And I go spend all this money catching tuna. 
and you don't I'll need. give it all away. And it never, See, you know, I love it. It never goes <laughs> to waste. Yeah, for you guys, <laughs> it perfect. never goes to waste. But the gummy that everyone, a gummy is a sensational eating fish and shark, I should say. But targeting them this time of the year can be cold and whatnot. But everyone thinks that you've got to chase them overnight. I don't fish overnight ever, really, Pat, ever. Like, I can't think of a time I fish overnight. I'll fish early morning so the sun comes up to the sun. Uh, sorry. From the sunrise, so the sun comes up, and yes. also vice versa at the other way to fishing as the sun goes down. So I don't stay out all night, but I also fish during the day. Now in the ocean, because this is we're talking about the ocean today, all the reefs in thirty plus meters of water, you will catch gummies all day if you get your anchor up right on the edge of a reef. Now that's the crucial bit: finding a contour line, finding where the drop off is, and finding just that slightly flatter ground next to heavy reef. The gummies roam the edges of it, feeding. Now, a great a great bait for gummies is all the reef species. So your wrasse, your, your, your perch, your, anything you catch off that reef where you're fishing for gummies, use that as bait, as well as flesh bait. So trevallies and salmon, all that sort of stuff is great bait for, for your gummy sharks. Now, I like to run two separate rigs. I like to refer to them as the straight up and down rig and also the cast out rig. Now, the straight up and down rig will sit straight up and down in the rod holders. Nice heavier sinkers. So six to eight sinkers, size six to eight. If you're in a bit shallower, size four, but generally six to eight, they'll sit straight up and down, nice away from the cast out rods. So they'll sit there and then the cast out rods I have either side of the straight up and down ones. Now the cast out rod is a traditional Western port rig as they like to call it. So it's a it's a long leader. So it has a running sinker traditionally with that with a slider that what, runs up. What size sinker are you talking? Lighter than the straight up and down one. So I run yep. a four to six. So it's the other just a couple ounces light. You don't need it to hold the bottom. The reason I'm having heavy, you want it to be spaced out. That's the reason just behind it. Casting out and it will just as your boat slowly oars around, it'll just oar around with you with the sinkers. If you go too heavy, I find they just get snagged so quick. Yep. Like it just gets pulled in and you can't get them. Out, where those lighter ones tend to just get flown pushed around a little bit on the bottom where the big sinkers on your straight up and down rigs you don't want to have them light because if you start oaring around and you they start to come up off the bottom then they start to swing and that's when they can catch other lines you might be catching squid on one rod you might be catching bait on the other rod so make sure that you uh, definitely have your right weight so you don't get tangles it helps so much mm. now they, i just run four rods uh, I'll have a salmon on one, a wrasse on another, a perch on another, and maybe a trevally on the other. And I don't complicate it. Just gummies are scavengers. They'll pretty much eat anything that you put down there. So you don't need to be too particular around your bait and how fresh it is? No, fresh. everyone says fresh is best. During the week, I had salmon from that I caught this time last year, and we got four gummies. Yep. Like it was, it didn't change, it didn't make it any better. Well, two were on the, the wrasse and two were on the old salmon. So like, where do you draw the line? Like, yes, fresh is probably better. But I reckon it's better because it stays on the hook better. It doesn't flake away as easy. Let's talk about um, as you as you look and see. All right, there's something on the end of this. How long are you letting that run before yep. you pick up the rod and and give it to it? Yeah, so I'm running seven o circle hooks. Uh, probably one fish that I'll always run circle hooks for. The way they grab them and eat it, and then they turn and run. It's just the way gummies work. Uh, I like to have so the drakes point out. Sometimes on those cast out rigs, if there's a bit of slack line from the oaring around, you'll have to wind into it to get the tension back just naturally before they run. Yes. But I still like to let them run it in my hand or 
try not to touch in the rod holder. It's hard not to take grab rods in the rod holder when you're getting a bite, as we all know. Yeah, yeah. But just let it go. Just let it go, especially with circle hooks, and they will hook themselves nine times out of ten. And people will say, oh, I had a massive gummy on, but they took my hook. Probably a seven-gill shark. Gummies don't yeah. have teeth, and yeah. you run an 80-pound leader, you won't traditionally lose too many hooks to bite off. They could be a school shark as well, and there's plenty of school sharks around at the moment. So make sure you do set up on the edge of a contour line. So a sharp movement, traditionally that's where reef is. Fish on the back side of that where it drops off that little bit. So it might be 30 metres where the reef's hard and fishing that 32 to 36 just on that edge there. Cast your baits out, sit nice. Make sure you try and get it so the tide's running. You want to fish where there's no tide. That's when you're not going to catch fish, but that's when you get there. Yeah. And then you fish as it starts to run. I don't burly in the ocean for my gummies. I don't burly at all for them. I find that too much other stuff come. The gummies will always be roaming reefs, and I always catch gummies when I catch gummies. So if I either, very rarely do I catch no gummies, quite often you always catch, if you get one, you'll catch two, three, four, five. And how so, patient do you need to be? I just fish the tide. How long is the session? Yeah, so I just fish the tide. Yeah, up to four hours. Just, yeah. that, just that run of the tide I want to run. So before it slows down the other way, I'll probably be out of there. And as it gets going on the other tide, usually when I start to fish. So and four-hour session is usually enough. But stick to your tides. Stick to your tides and commit. Don't move. I don't move. If I don't get a fish on a spot, I'm just, it's just the gummies weren't there. You're just unlucky. And that doesn't happen a lot on gummy sharks. There's so many in the southwest coast of Victoria right through to where we are, to Malakuta. Like, there's so many gummies around. It's one of the most sustainable fishery, I believe. Yep. I can go out there eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten, say, and be confident to come home with gummy sharks. Very rarely do you ever miss on a gummy shark. It's, but it's about having your boat in that correct spot that we spoke about. Anchoring up, and it's always anchoring, anchoring up on that edge, getting your baits down, and just being relatively patient and let the tide run a little bit, and then that's when you'll tend to get your big gumbos. Massive show of Real Adventures headed your way this morning. Chris Vasileski joins us uh, a little later in the show. Up next, we've got the whip around where we find out what's biting in your part of the country. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is time for uh, the whip around, Redmond, where we find out what's biting in your part of the country. All thanks to Jayco Sydney. Go on your next adventure, Jayco Sydney. All right, Western Australia, Redmond, beach fishing, Coogee has been pretty decent. There's been good reports uh, of salmon being caught. Uh, Mandra, uh, once again, we're, we're getting reports of sm- uh, small salmon and brim. Um, Comet Bay, Redmond's been an interesting one. Land-based fishing's been, been quite decent, and the odd snapper caught at dusk, which has been Good to see. Yeah, which is always good to see because Frio's been fishing well too, land-based as well, off the rocks. Some big snapper coming in close on squid. So there's plenty of snapper right around Western Australia, and we've spoken about it multiple times. The, but, king, the king of the snapper, is it, WA, you reckon? Well, it has been. Well, it's taken the mantle from, from South Australia ever since the, the snapper ban. Uh, Baselton, depending on uh, weather quite uh, clearly, snapper have been um, there and about. Squid's been the best bait. Uh, Margaret River in Gracetown, off Great Whites. Uh, well, well, yes, <laughs> uh, but off the beach uh, has seen some Taylor being caught, which is good to see. Uh, let's head to South Australia, Redmond. Yeah, South Australia. We spoke last week about Tumby Bay, and I had a couple of people that lived in Tumby Bay that I'm friends with there. They sent some great reports of whiting. 
So mm. they confirm what we reported last week. So Forearm sort of action whiting. Nearly my quad, yeah, which is yeah. small but big, yeah. sort of for a whiting. <laughs> Coffin Bay's been the same, um, and there's been a few little reports of um, of whiting on on poppers. So we're not talking King George whiting. Quite clearly, we're talking uh, sand sand whiting. So yep. fishing those shallows, uh, and then of course Port Mac, which is probably the the best place in the country at the moment to fish for game fish with really good captures of, of southern bluefin tuna. The, the, you at know the what moment. else out of Port Mac is I've got a couple of people that have been bypassing the tuna and heading out to the shelf, which is about a 30k run to the shelf, 35k run. And the harpuka that are coming off the bottom really? in the deep, like monstrous, like absolute monstrous. I can be one of the, Khan, sorry, one of the local boys there had one the other day. It was the biggest one I'd seen. I think it was like 40 kilo. It was an absolute stonker of a harpooka. And he had a, he had a whole – there's no bag limit on him. He had a whole, like, five eskies for him. He goes, this will not go to waste. Well, he does one big load up, and it freezes so well, harpooka, that you don't actually – like, it, you're not actually putting a, a dint into the fishery either because there's just – no one does it either. Yeah. So you yep. can literally go out there and catch some of the biggest, uh, I guess, <laughs> deep-sea fish – uh, that you could you could catch and ling and, and whatnot as well. Uh, Victor Harbour, there's been sort of spasmodic reports uh, around squid, Redmond, um, but sort of unconfirmed. We've seen a few, few sort of photos flying around on, on Facebook. But generally, if you find those weed beds, it's not a bad area to chase uh, squid for. Jeez, you're just showing me that just, photo of that harpooka. It is that massive. It's a monster. It's a big harpooka, isn't it? Uh Sorry, Victoria, just Redmond. distracted you. Uh, Victoria's fishing well. Uh, yep. We've got the estuaries and whatnot are fishing well for estuary perch down in the sort of that eastern part of the world down in Gippsland Way. Yeah, we had a nice little report from Lee Raymond. Yeah, that was meant that- to be on the download, but we've just blown it. <laughs> it's a good. No, it's no, a good. Don't worry about Lee. It's a good time to go fishing if you if you're in chase of estuary perch. Brim fishing well, particularly yep. in the Gippsland Lakes. It is. Western um, Port's fishing well for big squid up the banks as well. Some seriously good squid coming in Western Port, which is great to see. And Port Phillip, my neck of the woods, the whiting are being good. A few gummies inside and outside. And then Portland's on fire with the school tuna, Pat. We talk about barrels, but people that just want to go catch school tuna on those lighter rods, fishing really, really well too. And they're in close, which is which They're is in close. Nice. They're pretty yeah. much... Pretty much at the boat ramp, but the lures in. New South Wales, uh, Marimbula, Redmond. Yeah, and, and Pambula. And, and particularly uh, the entrances fishing really well for, for salmon. Um, the odd tailor as well, which is great. And then if you head a little further up those those systems, then you get uh, good captures of brim. Baits being the predominant um, preference when chasing brim. But if you're interested in, in throwing a few metal sluggos, then um, that's been, you know, well reported with with the tailor and the salmon that they've been having a crack at those. Yeah, and heading to Port Hacking, the rain is played havoc, but there's some reason the they did it last time. The kingfish they're yeah. only small, but they they've come on the bite, so they're only just size to undersize. But there's plenty of kingfish that have shown up in this dirty. They must just love the dirty water runoff. And they've just well, fed. there's been plenty of runoff, Redman. <laughs> plenty of runoff. Heading to Queensland, uh, Tweed. You've got just the normal tailor and salmon along the beach. You've also do we got call Tweed Queensland? We'll, we'll call it. It's on the board. I call it at every week, so it's definitely Tweed. It's a great um, It's a great place to get your kids into fishing as well because easily accessible. Once again, that change of tide really does tend to get them going. But Broom have been caught in good numbers. Brett's been... Um, Widely reported as a decent um, as a decent bait, if you if you will call it that. Um, 
We're happy to call it that, Redmond. Um, Morton Island, snapper, up to six kilos. Um, Bait's been the preference, but they will take jigs if you get them in good numbers. Um, so that's been good to see. Harvey Bay um, and the heads around there. The mackerel. The mackerel again. fishing yep. well. So that's sort of – that's what's biting around the country, Redmond. You've forgotten the unforgotten. Oh, Tasmania, I have too. You have. Paul Worsling has been doing some crazy yeah. work out of there on the shelf, chasing mako sharks. Spoke to Paul during the week. Big makos. He's been targeting bluefin that are there, but they're being pricks to catch. Hard to catch, yep. yeah. He nearly had a whale jump in his boat. And also, he has been doing really well in the flathead. He just catching flathead, and Paul loves eating his fish. I'll give Paul credit. He's one bloke that thrives off eating fish. Like, he literally, like, <laughs> he oh, like, he will turn into a fish one day. Like, he literally just eats fish. And he's been loading up on the flathead that have been plentiful. And big flathead, big tiger is, like, really good going. So, that's good going out of there. Tazzy, what else you got for Tazzy? A uh, few sort of catches have been along Bay, Snapper in there. Geographer uh, had some massive rainbow trout and brown trout. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. That's actually, I just found out, it's actually stocked. It's actually stocked. So, it's sort of cheat fishing. Well, that, that, but I like it. That gives you a, <laughs> a, a decent chance. <laughs> that what, that wraps up our whip around. All thanks to Jayco Sydney, your next great escape. Let the adventure begin with Jayco Sydney. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Our special guest this morning is Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. He's one of our favourites at Real Adventures. Good morning, Chris O. How you going, guys? Yeah, not too bad, Chris. So not as good as you and this uh, tuna season that is involved literally on the doorstep of, I'm going to call it nearly in the harbour at uh, Portland where you've been based for the past few months. What a year yeah, it's, it's been. been for um, you. What a year. Yeah, no, it's been fantastic this year. It's, it's certainly come back to life like last year I've, Probably, if you guys remember, I was telling you we had to do the miles every day and the fuel was just out of the roof. But this year, we're lucky enough the fish are back in close and it's just saving us a ton on fuel and um, we don't have to travel as far, obviously, to get the fish. So it's it's really good. It's been unique in a sense, Chris, though, that normally, as you said, there are really big caves. For, so for those getting into fishing for the first time or chasing southern bluefin tuna for the first time, this is a unique experience. They don't have to spend huge kilometres on the water. They've got the ability with you fishing close to shore without travelling hours and hours and getting, you know, fish and fish of a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like it's just amazing that the whole season, it's probably the first time in, in 16 years that I've been running it that we haven't like literally gone past a lighthouse in probably 60 metres. It's just been awesome. Chris, now tuna, we know they can be pricks at time, let's be honest, especially these squish <laughs> around a full moon and whatnot. This year, it just seems like every single trip you're just bagging out. Is it a numbers thing? Is it a feeding thing? Like, what is it that you reckon is different from other years where they're just literally jumping in the boat? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Like, There's plenty of bait there and like there's a lot more surface activity with fish, but there's Definitely no um, no struggle in getting them. Like, you know, sometimes when you see them jumping and carrying on, they can be a bit flighty, but this year they've just switched right on. So 
I'm not sure. Don't know. It's it's a tough one. It's, every year is different, as we always say, and you just don't know what you're going to expect. And I fished them on a on a dodge tide, and they they seem to go okay. You know where where you might say, oh, we might struggle today because we haven't got much of much water movement, but it doesn't seem to be um, affecting them this year for some reason. And what's been, if you look back over your time this year, Chris, your success in terms of trawling, lures used. You know, what's been the take-home points for you um, and, and the greatest success that you've had? Uh, in lure-wise? Yep. I would have to definitely say back on the Halcos again. Yeah, okay. They're just, they're just um, I don't know, they're just dynamite. Like, I remember a trip a few weeks back, I was, I think, you know, we normally run a nine a nine rod spread, so we'll generally run four, four like, bib divers and, and five skirts where... The other day, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to even bother with these skirts and just ran all divers pretty much. And it was just nuts. It was five ways and six ways. It was crazy. Yeah, that's... A- so, definitely, definitely have to say the Halcos this year. Now, I don't mean to be rude by asking this question, but we all, as boat owners, Pat, we know how much of a pain in the backside it is to get boats serviced and being a commercial charter boat like Chris is... To get your boat service means take the boat, especially a big boat like Chris's. He needs to get it out of the water. He needs to, because it lives in the water, he needs to get it out of the water. He then needs to somehow get the boys from Geelong Marine World down to a place like Portland, which is, say, four hours, give or take. It's not a cheap exercise. It's not a cheap exercise to, uh, I guess, get your boat serviced and keep it up to scratch maintained. And you need to keep it maintained and up to scratch because Marine Standards, not only that, he's got customers, he doesn't want to break down out there and have dramas. So this year, this year, how much, how much servicing have you been able to save by not traveling 35 kilometers out to the shelf every day and only being in close? How much servicing does it help? Because boat owners are always spending big money. Oh, it's massive. It's massive. So generally we'll get the guys in a season. I reckon we'll get Geelong Marine. We'll come down twice to service our boats this year. I reckon I just kicked over the other day. So as just like I've only got probably a week or two left here. So I might just run it that extra 20 hours and, and get it home. So I might even go without getting a service this year. Yeah, um, massive cost. In a, in, a, in a Portland tuna season, that's massive. It's a massive save. So... It's actually, um, like, those fish being where they are, it's just so much help. Like, you don't understand, you know, you're not spending as much money on fuel. You're saving on service. It's um, it's a big it's a big save. But what we are, we attempt to be buying a lot more of these damn bloody Helcos because the bibs keep breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Too many fish. Well, that's the thing. Instead of spending money on fuel and servicing, you can actually spend money on the value that customers actually see. So new rods and yeah, and yeah. You're, yeah. you're not yeah. There's money always going somewhere. That's right. Now uh, something a little bit exciting. We all love new toys, and I know that you're getting uh, a couple of new a uh, new horses on the back of that big boat of yours. Take us through the plan of attack, I guess, for the new engines coming, and also what the uh, months ahead for gone fishing means out of Queenscliff. Yeah, so we're, like I said, we're going to wind it up here in probably two weeks. Um, I think we've just announced the 18th of July is going to be our last trip down here. So then I'll pick a good weather window and make that journey back home and get this boat back at Geelong Marine World. We'll get these engines off and put a brand new um, set of 300s back on it. So, Chris, so there's uh, still opportunities to to go down and get charters in at Portland at the moment through Gone Fishing Charters? 
Yeah, there's, there's still got a couple of weeks left. Um, yeah, so if, if you're looking, yeah, there's still a couple of weeks there. Yep. And then, yeah, get home. Get home, get new engines on this big girl, do a couple more modifications and upgrades like we always do. It's like it never ends with boats, as you know. Yep. Um, especially, especially you. Get back in the water, get it back in the water, and then hope start chasing some squid and whiting. Squid and whiting, because uh, will, will you venture to the snow for a little bit of a break, Chris? You don't. Really, I know you love the snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to get up there. We'll see how we go with time. But it seems to be losing, um, losing a bit of time. How many so hours? We'll see the, how it all goes. How many hours of the old motors done, Chris? Oh, the, I swear they the were. I swear they're only two weeks old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they're almost up to three thousand hours now. Right. Now let's put. Let, let's. I'm, I'm on the similar path with Chris. So we do a fair bit of hours, but he does a lot more than me because it's the way it works. The charter can... Are these engines up for sale? Because there's nothing wrong with them. you just got to update them. No. Are they up for sale? Can someone buy these engines? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I think... I'm not 100% sure, but I think they might be sold. But um, until we get that deposit, obviously nothing's sold. But yeah, no, they are. They'll go straight back up for sale and... If anyone's looking for a 300, yeah, it works perfect. There's, like I said, there's the only reason we're, we're sort of changing is because I don't like to run them with more than 3,000 hours on them and just keep everything new. So 3,000 so hours nothing on wrong with them. 3,000 used hours to me is much better, Pat, than, say, a 300-hour engine that's 15 old. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with these engines. Yep. So, yeah. Well, there you have it. Chris uh, Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. Thank you for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. That was all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. It is time for Reg Review. It's a special Reg Review, uh, Redmond, because we've got Jake on from Geelong Marine World. And Jake's talking to us this morning about his Ital. I think it's a 32-footer. It is one of the most glorious-looking inflatable boats I think I've ever seen. Morning, Jake. Morning, guys. Now, we're excited to see this in the flesh because it's going to be at the upcoming boat show this year, but talk to us about uh, the 32 because this thing is an absolute beast. Yeah, no, it is It is for sure, and, and look, it will be on display in the water at the uh, Melbourne Boat Show. Uh, and some of the features that it does consist of is it's got two Ripper uh, 325 Suzuki engines on the back of it. Uh, we've got a also a bow thrust at the front, so really easy maneuverability around pens and moorings, etc. Perfect for you, Pat. Uh, <laughs> that's well, it. It's inflatable, so you can hit, you can bang into things. It doesn't matter as much. Oh, a little bit of yeah. You don't, don't leave marks. <laughs> yeah, <just> don't <laughs> leave marks. Sorry, Jake, to cut you off there. No, you're all right. And then yeah, you've got your, your toilet up in the the little cabin there, and. You've even got the bar fridge. I'm just looking uh, at that shower now. on the rear deck. Looking at that bar fridge here, Patrick. It's full on the photo. And then, <laughs> then when it does does get sunny, sunny, you've got the big bimini that uh, reaches over the, the rear lounge as well that folds out into a bed too. Now, the boat show is on like we've spoken about. We've spoken a little bit about it, Pat, and we're going to have more information in the coming weeks once it does come, a bit more public of what's going on. But... On the water, Ital boats, no one, I'll be honest, no one really probably has been on an Ital boat or experienced one of these boats. Now, how do they go about actually coming for a little run on yours? Are you actually allowed to take the Ital boat for a bit of a spin on the day or how does it work? So I'm not sure on on the actual day, but we are doing a going to be doing a water testing couple of days after it with a few different models yep. uh, on the water. So we will make that uh, announced 
shortly after the show. Um, so people that are interested can definitely come for a spin because it is something that needs to be uh, tested for sure. Jake, what's quite unique about this boat is even though it's it's a it's a big girl, it's thirty two foot long. Um, from the videos that you've posted on uh, Geelong Marines World social pages, it looks like it's 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 quite fleet footed and and reasonably easy to control. Is like, have you found that with your time on the water with the boat? Yeah, look, definitely with with obviously uh, having twin engines, it's obviously more manoeuvrable than a single engine, and then putting the thruster on it too. Uh, the the novice boaty, for example, that's new to boating or anything, can seriously drive it uh, with ease. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that on display, Redmond. Uh, Jake from Geelong Marine World, thanks for your time. I'm going to fire Jake. one more question up there. We're going to give him one more minute. I was going to say thanks to Jake for um, for letting us use your car every now and then when we need to move the the big boat. boat. Well, I was more. I was more going to say thanks to Jake for our invite on his new Riviera that he's. Oh bought. yes, this is down Pat's alley. This one because this is his favourite boat. Uh, you've regionally purchased a new Riv, Jake. A bit of a little bit of an upgrade from your last boat. Now I give Jake credit here, Pat, because ninety nine point nine percent of people, including yourself, leave their boats in the harbour, big boats, and there. they just don't use them. Yep. Jake uses his vessel, his Riv. Every single week, pretty much, as I guess we'll tr- call it as a caravan. He's always following the wind around the bay and whatnot to go and spend the days out on the water with his partner and his dog, having some nice wine of a night and some cheese and watching the footy. Jake, take us through your new rev. New rev. Yeah, so it's not the new one, but it's a second handy. Uh, but uh, no, it's great, great thing able to sort of follow the bay. We, we spent the weekend out at Port Arlington and the, the marina there in the safe harbour and Anchored up, and it was just yeah spectacular. Some of winter winter boating's definitely high up there. You get sort of the breathless nights. Yes, it's a little bit cold, but uh, you still got to use your boats and get out there and enjoy it. You said winter. Now that's one great thing with the Riv here. It has obviously central heat and everything, so you're still out in the water getting that vibe. But you're actually staying warm and comfortable throughout the night as well, aren't you? It is exactly right. It's just like being at home, to be quite honest. Uh, so. Very fortunate to have the heater there and then in summer uh, having the aircon as well. I'm looking forward to that one. We're looking forward to going. <laughs> so you're looking Taking forward to it. for a bit of a spin. Hey, Jake, uh, thanks for your time this morning. If anyone is looking for more information uh, on Itel Boats, you can head to geelongmarineworld.com.au for more information, and the guys there can take you all through a huge range of boats they store. Jake, thanks for your time this morning. No, thank you very much, guys. Red's tip for Anaconda. Anaconda just got a whole lot bigger. Don't miss their Adventure HQ grand opening celebration. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. And this one's pretty simple, Redmond. Should be self-explanatory, but I got in a little bit of trouble because I, I mistake, mistook. Mistook? Mistaken? Mistaken. Jeez. The, you must feel bad right now. Well, I'm concerned if I'm asking you for, <laughs> for, for grammar sort of correction. Uh, but storing your bait in the family freezer or a designated freezer elsewhere, um, it's always the designated freezer elsewhere. And I cleaned out the uh, the freezer last week of, of bait, but there was some bait that was it was pretty new <laughs> within six months. And I thought, well, I'll keep that. Wrapped it in a bag, put it in the in the freezer uh, in the house. Um it didn't go down well. Yeah, it it, um, it was leaking a little <laughs> bit, and clearly the bag that I wrapped it in 
may have had a little hole as well, did proceed to leak through the entire family fridge freezer upstairs. Who cleaned it? That would be me. <laughs> I seriously so, do. You know, do you know so if you're going to clean it out, then put the fish and crap back in the freezer that you cleaned out. Do you know, Don't what, put it upstairs in your main freezer. Do you know what I often do? Is we often catch, say, fish, and I get it. it so I got it. Um, say you were catching fish. Say you, and, say you and I caught it this afternoon. I'd often, if I don't have ice or whatnot, I'd pop it in the fridge, you know, a couple of bags, and then mm. you might leave it to the next day to clean. And I clean the fish, but for some mm. reason, I never clean the fridge out. This is my outside fridge, though, so it's my fridge. I literally, all I do is which, I just get which that you spray. you can smell from bar and heads. Sometimes mogs <laughs> on a good easterly. Uh, you can, uh, I just literally lather it in that, I think it's the, the spray all-purpose spray. I just basically tip it all Glenn over. 20. Oh, yeah, let it sit for like 20 minutes and I just go get the pressure washer. I just open it and I just pressure wash the whole fridge out. <laughs> I literally, it's a weekly thing. It's a weekly oh, thing. Yeah, nice. Uh, so <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's Red's tip. I think it's something everyone can, uh, can relate to. That was Red's tip. Don't miss Anaconda's Adventure HQ Grand Opening Celebration. Uh, the flying gaff this week. I like this one. We both, I can't stand littering. It's no. my number one hate. I just don't like littering. I, and I'll be honest with you, as a kid, I was a, I thought I was funny throwing the odd Macca cup out of the window. I'll be honest. I cannot stand littering now. I is, I matured. But it was... That's nice. It's, no, it's just one thing that doesn't need to happen. But one thing that does need to happen, Australia are binning the cardboard coffee cup. Yes. And I'm not a coffee drinker, by all means. A couple, a couple oh, of yeah. there. You are. And it's yeah. just for you. Found it interesting. I sat down at the cattery with you for some lunch. We caught up for a meeting a couple of weeks ago. And you I did. watched a cardboard coffee cup disintegrate in your hands. <laughs> in front of your eyes. While you were drinking it. Yeah, I've, I've had They it. need to go. No. No. They are the disposable ones. So I'm all for uh, the uh, getting rid of removal of cardboard takeaway cups. Yeah. If they're like, you know, you can dispose them in some way that is recyclable, et cetera, because a lot of them, they're not recyclable because of the plastic filament on the inside of them. But that plastic filament does stop them from leaking, Aaron, because now when I go to my local coffee place, the coffee cup, they put two of them on there because they disintegrate so quickly. So we need... Whoever invented so sliced bread, double- the wheel, those sorts of things, that, that guy needs to come back <laughs> and invent a disposable coffee cup that dis- that disintegrates after you've drunk it. I've so got a great recyclable, idea. Recyclable, but doesn't leak as you're drinking. Great idea. Let's what? just bring plastic ones back. We won't have any dramas. Aaron. We, we won't. We are, we are a fishing show that likes to promote a, the health of the environment. But there's a place in this planet... Plastic coffee cups, I think. I don't up, even drink coffee. I don't even know why I'm Pacific. sticking up for you guys. <laughs> it's up in the Pacific. So the gaff this week heads to, uh, well, it's a good gaff. I think good on Queensland for, for bringing it in. They were the first ones. We won't be far we away. We need the inventors to keep working on the uh, their work with coffee cups that don't disintegrate as you're drinking them. But, you know, we can get there eventually. What about just take your own? Can you do that? I like that. You take your own? No, absolutely. No, you can't take your own everywhere because you don't know where you're going to be. Well, COVID used to be a bit funny like that. but Oh, was it? We've probably rambled a bit here. That might be it for us. <laughs> Better <laughs> show than last week. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we'll see you next week on Real Adventures. 
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.